Welcome back to TDR's Dairy Automation Talks. I am Ruben Almada, and today we have another guest from Lately. Our guest today is Ben Thorpe, Farm Management Support, FMS, for the feed and barn sector. Welcome, Ben. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ruben. So, FMS feed and barn. We had Katie on last time and Steve on recently, too, talking about FMS, but nobody really mentioned what feed and barn was. So, can you tell us a little bit about what feed and barn is? Yeah, so lately is, is somewhat divided into two segments. We have our milking and cooling side, um, which is all tied together with the feed and barn stuff in the barn, but we have separate supporting departments within lately that support you know, kind of the astronaut side and then the remainder of the feed and barn products, the Juno, Calm, Discovery Collectors, Vector, um, and those, those types of products. So okay. Feed and barn is. Sounds that's I guess makes sense, makes pretty good sense there. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up at Laylee and what you were doing before you got to Laylee. How long you've been with Laylee? And yeah, so I've been with Laylee, um, going on four years in this same role, supporting primarily the vector in the calm. And my background started with Laylee uh, right out of college. I worked for a local Laylee center here. Uh, I live in central Minnesota, and from there, dove into the nutrition world and um, was able to learn all the ins and outs that come with dairy nutrition. Fed um, a number of robot herds and really kind of learned and understood how this whole management of, of feeding in robots and management of robot herds in general um, worked. And so that led me to <clears throat> Laylee, which I took this role in the feed and barn side to support, like I mentioned earlier, the vector from uh, total farm management support. So from the sales process all the way through to post-startup support, um, as well as the, the same capacity for the calm. So see, see, see this role doing some sales support as well as post startup support and every step of the way through the process okay um you talked a little bit about vector that was something that katie brought up on a, on a previous ep, uh episode she just kind of glanced over what it was can you tell us a little bit more about what the vector is and how it's being utilized in today's robotic um i'm i don't know if you guys have it in any non robotic herds or not, or robo non-robotic situations where they're milking or or if that's where there's the only automation we have, but could you expand on what, where it was, where it kind of, um, where do you, where it's going? Um, you know, there's conversations about it. I know there's conversations out here about it going on to larger herds and stuff, but that's always a, a challenge with the automation world is going for the larger herd. But what are you guys looking at to try to break that paradigm? Yeah. So maybe taking a, a look back in time at automated feeding in general right we, we've had mm -hmm. automated feeding in the, in the dairy world since you know the 80s when we had computer feeders that fed cows right. and i would say a lot of that technology has been adopted into milking robots and we've been able to revisit that side of it where computer feeders feed to a production level of a milking robot but not until recently have we had a solution to feed a PMR or a TMR autonomously or automatically um, in the barn. So the Lely Vector system is a, is a fully autonomous feeding system. Um, we have 
essentially a few different parts to the system. Uh, all the feed is stored in what we like to call a feed center. Uh, that's usually generally attached to the barn. That can be any method of storage, whether that be under our Lely grabber or a commodity box, feed bins, you name it, anything that you can think of, tower silos, um, all those things can feed, can can dispense feed into the Lely vector or the MFR, mm -hmm. the mixing feeding robot. And that mixing feeding robot is more or less what you, what most people see as the Lely vector system, mm -hmm. although it really is the whole gamut of the system that right. works together yeah. to um, deliver the feed autonomously. So, and to go on, go ahead. The, the one, the one key piece that we kind of have our claim to fame is what we like to call feeding to the need. So feeding to the need allows us to feed exactly what those cows are eating and essentially deliver feed as their intakes go up or, or down with weather, with dry matter changes, et cetera. And we do mm -hmm. that via uh, the, the little laser that essentially follows and scans the feed heights. Mm -hmm. And we feed based on that feed height that is measured with the vector system, the MFR, the mixing feeding robot as it goes around the barn. How often is the the MFR going going out and if I if I'm not mistaken when you utilize an MFR you don't really need to use a Juno to push in feed correct correct yep so the the MFR uh, both pushes and delivers feed so it replaces what a Juno is doing mm -hmm. um, yeah so in terms of how often yeah I would say. Most farms were feeding a minimum of about six to eight times a day, and some farms are getting upwards of, you know, 15 to 20 times to a, a certain pen. Now that's broken up into several different feed fence sections. So although we may be delivering that many times to an individual pen, it's only a handful of times to an individual feed section most of the time. Okay. Um so kind of walk us through how the MFR makes it or the whole system makes a decision to feed a pen. You know, we talked about how it, it replaces the Juno for pushing up feed. So let, let's, let's start with it. It's pushing feed or it's going out to push feed, something like that. Can you, can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah. So, so that MFR would be the feed center area and drive its route around the barn scanning everywhere it goes, right? So the laser is on at every point in that route and it's scanning that feed to measure how much feed is, is left of that bunk. Is it scanning and pushing in at the same time or yeah, just scanning correct. from a distance? Yeah. So it pushes in first and then scans the feed. So the laser okay. is actually on the backside of the MFR. Okay. And then um, based on what we have for a set feed height or our desired feed height amount essentially that's set in the computer system, once we drop below that desired feed, feed height amount, the MFR will mix another load and distribute it to wherever it was calling for feed in the barn. It, if that MF, if you have a farm with one MFR only, does that then obviously have to wait till it gets back to mix its its load? Right. Um, but if you have multiple or two, or I've seen some farms with two, some with one, I haven't seen any more than that personally. But um, 
if it has two, will it signal for the other one that's in charging to start mixing and feeding with that one? Yep. So uh, that's all run off of Bluetooth. But as soon as it gets in within Bluetooth range, it will signal to that other uh, MFR to start loading this load for this pen um, or this fence. And that'll start loading and mixing. Then they'll swap places once that load is finished. And the same process happens over and over and over again. 24 hours a day that's quite awesome um how how much capacity does the mfr hold because that's a big question when we get on these big farms right, right. Have these pens of two three hundred cows or long long distances and such so the question is always well how much does it hold yep so i would say most farms right now are that are kind of maxing out the system or feeding maximum loads of that uh, 1,500, 1,600 pounds, something in that range. Um, and that seems very small, yeah. but much, much like uh, a milking robot, we're doing this 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, so, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, you're delivering, like you said earlier, six to, 10 times a day versus most of our farms are, you know, two, maybe three at the most deliveries. So they got to pack in 30,000 pounds at right. a time. So, yep. And, and even on some of our larger vector farms, we still find that the way that our bin is designed and the size wise, we can struggle with a load being delivered to a separation area in a robot barn or some pen that may need just a small amount of feed, mm -hmm. which is the beauty of the vector system, being mm -hmm. able to deliver a small small load of feed, which typically those conventional mixers are not good at at all. Right. Um, you know, we're, we're sized right for those small loads. So what today, maybe globally or North America, what's the largest vector system what how many mfrs uh, slash yeah, so i believe in the nordics they have uh, a system running with six mfrs which would mean they have essentially three three feed centers kind of distributed throughout wherever they need to that feed to be delivered within the barn and two mixing feeding robots per feed center and so. So, so what about North North America? Would it probably then be four? Uh, North America, our largest system is still two at the moment. Still two at the moment. Do you see that growing? Do you see? Do you guys have? You know, there obviously there's hopes for that to grow, but do do you see their interest for the farms that are bigger than that? Yeah, I think there's a tremendous tremendous interest in anything that can reduce labor and deliver consistency to a cow day in day out. You know, humans, humans are only so good. We have some phenomenal feeders out there on, on dairy farms today, but they still require a paycheck. They still require, um, you know, benefits. They still require days off. Right. And uh, that becomes a challenge when labor is, is in short supply. Uh, the other piece of that is oh, yeah, we all know energy costs are rising. Uh, the cost of diesel fuel is not, not going away. And even where you guys are from, being more heavily scrutinized um, from an emission standpoint. Yeah. Most vector systems, you know, if we're talking a two MFR system can run on, you know, 
less than ten dollars a day of electricity in most cases, depending on what you pay for electricity. Ten dollars a day. That's. Yep. Um, I don't think you can start the tractor and the and the truck up for ten dollars a day. Correct. Just yep. without without people. I mean, it's going to yeah. cost just that much about that. So that's uh, but you know, I mean, that's the, that's the red the red piece of the the system, right? You're still going to have some electrical costs to turn on augers and motors yeah. and things like that, but minimal, you know. Yeah, but and you but you still need some sort of like a tractor or a person that's taking care of your your kitchen, right? Like you've got to have you you have especially for your forages, right? From from the concentrates, you can probably you know do with the bins and such be a little bit easier, but, but from a forage standpoint, you're, you're having um, to load that kitchen up and that's communicating when it's empty. Correct. Correct. Yep. So um, yeah, typically somebody is still managing that feed center for a period of time in the day, but they're spending a lot less hours doing that than they previously would. Um, you know, it's not feathering in, ingredients with a bucket anymore it's getting them from point of storage and delivering them to that feed center uh takes yeah. a less less skilled individual does the the system itself calibrate for like dry matter changes in silages or does that have to still be done uh ma manually for lack of a better word yep at the moment that still has to be done manually or maybe you know, a coster tester or whatever your method is um, mm -hmm. there's hopes of that being done automatically at some point you know i think right. you and i both know that nar technology has come a long ways in the last even three to five years so hopefully yeah. at some point we'll have that integrated but who knows when that will be yeah well we've made huge advances you know in the short period of time i can only imagine how many more advances we're going to make in the very the near future as well um are there farms or locations that are currently using a vector system that are not milking cows and or are um, not using automated milking? Yeah. Yep. So we have, we have a few different systems that are our parlors utilizing the vector system. Um, uh, some of those are in Canada. And then we also have several uh, beef farms that are utilizing the vector system to feed um, feeder, feeder and finishing animals. So, okay. so you know, you're not kind of not narrowed to just the, the milking robot sector to that. I mean, it, it tends to, you tend to see in the, once a farm goes to some sort of automation from milking that they tend to go with more automation than, than less. Um, but it's nice to see that some guys that are still using the conventional way of milking are using some of this automation. Maybe that means in the future, they'll look at, at some robots to milk cows um interesting to see that i mean in the it probably works really well in the beef um industry the way they do things very consistent and in low forage diets and such so it might work really well how, speaking of the forage um to segue a little bit how does it handle like um alfalfa uh, mainly the, the your long roughages you know like alfalfa or hay or any kind of hay silage would be easier but Right. Yeah. So ideally, that stuff is all pre-processed, right? We're we're a loading and mixing system. We're not a we're not a a grinding system um, or a processing system. So um, ideally, all that is pre-processed, and that helps with the capacity. Um, 
but does it, we can feed just about any detail. We can make anything work. Does it have knives or no? Yes, yep, it has knives just like you would have in a conventional TMR mixer. Okay. Yeah, because the, the ones I saw, the the two that I've seen personally were in British Columbia, and they were both feeding like round bales. Um, and I I think round bales tend to be a lot harder to feed in general because the way they're put together. In California, we're mainly squares, large squares, or small squares, and that I think would break up a lot easier. Breaks up a lot easier just in general than in a round bale. But um, I, that was one of the things that I noticed there it was like in both farms said that there were some some issues with that here and there, but it, it was obviously from the fact that they're they're doing round bales versus uh, squares. Yeah, um, your, your forage length and forage type definitely plays a role in, in how we set the system up and we have capacity calculators and a wealth of experience to know how to handle all those different feed ingredients. So how many vector systems and or maybe farms is a better because like you said you have some that have two kitchens with four so in North America or specifically more the US we know that in in Canada it tends to be a little bit more automation tends to be a little bit more popular in Canada starting to grow rapidly in, in the United States but so let's just stick with the United States how many farms are utilizing the vector system in the US today um, farms off the top of my head, I can't, I don't recall the number of farms for sure, but there's roughly 50 to 60 MFRs or mixing robots being utilized in, in 50 to 60. So about yeah. roughly 30 systems then roughly. Give or so, take. Yep. Yeah. So, and from the sound of, you know, you said you, your biggest one in the U S was two. So probably, you know, you're looking at 50, you know, 25, 30 farms then roughly. Yep. Well, I mean, it, it's a you know just like the astronauts started small. This thing is going to be something that I think is definitely going to blow up, and um, and continue to grow. Um, in the West, we see a lot of guys that are going to these feed centers, electric mixer feed systems, because they're milking three, four, five, six thousand cows. They can get um, they can set this up these mixers, and they just have delivery boxes. How does how do we with a vector system either compete and or um become a synergistic thing with them you, you know is that something that Lely has talked about yeah so i mean we're, we're always looking at ways that we can partner and, and create third-party connections uh, i think a key piece that you are you mentioned already with their system is they're still utilizing some sort of a um, some sort of a delivery vehicle that has a person in it. Right. Um, if we design these systems in the right way, we can utilize our, our vector system to to deliver that feed, scan those feed bumps, push up that feed, all in one step, and then also never allow cows to run out of feed. Um, so when you have a human involved, there's still that chance that you're going to have that half an hour, hour, two hours, depending on how well that dairy manages their feed bunks, that cows may run out of feed. You know, they all like to run feed bunks tight. That's, right. that's where some of your margin lies, right, in, in your feed refusals. And when yep. we utilize a vector system to feed to, you know, less than 1% refusals, we can but really... But never be out of feed. But never be out of feed, correct. 
So there's, there's a lot of benefits there to utilizing our system coupled with something like that. You know, I could see something like that happening in the West out here. And, you know, I, I mentioned on, on the podcast with Katie, I'm really excited about the opportunity to have a vector in California at some point to work with. Because I, I kind of like your background a little bit. I come from the feed world before coming to do this FMS work. So that's exciting for me. Um, so hopefully in the near future, sooner than later, we have that. But we'll, when we get, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So it's always interesting to talk about this stuff, um, you know. We, we talked about the vector and pushing it up and it, we know that pushing up feed is key for dry matter intake. So, and the reason we don't feed more often is because of cost of running these equipment and the size of them. So you're kind of, you know, we're, we're uh, instead of pushing up feed every two hours, we're now feeding basically every two hours, two to three hours and pushing up. So if we're not pushing up, we're, we're feeding every two hours roughly more or less is my kind of just the breakdown of how it is. So that's gotta be a tremendous return for, from a animal health, animal production standpoint, right? Yeah. So on, on most sector installs that way, um, you hit the nail on the head when you said animal health, human health, you know, the first thing we see um, when we push and deliver feed more frequently is, is ideally a more stable ruminant environment, right? Mm -hmm. When we deliver a more stable ruminant environment, um, I think we're learning both in cows and in humans, digestive health is the core to all other health, right? And, and right. We, see that, we see that in butterfat and component results, and we also see that in lower metabolic disease. So it's kind of a, a twofold return there um, when we when we feed that room in the way she was designed to be fed, you know, small meals throughout the day, like you would be out on pasture, like cows were originally designed to be, right? Yeah, a little bit more of that, more freedom, right? Get right. More of that freedom. Do you see when when the vector is on a, a robot herd, a milking robot herd, do you see any changes to the way the cows utilize the robot to be milked? Can you can you tell us what kind of changes those are? Yeah, so when we couple a vector system with, with milking robots, we tend to see more stable visits to the robot, so our intervals get more normal or more mm -hmm. um, consistent, I should say, mm -hmm. uh, which creates ideally less fetch cows. Right, so that coupled together um, can provide some huge benefits, especially on large dairies in terms of. Um, the labor required to fetch cows. Uh, the other piece to that is, is oftentimes when they're feeding that many times a day, along with delivering uh, roughly 20% of their dry matter intake in a milking robot, we now have the ability to squeeze feed bunk space a little bit. Um, and that can come either, you know, we have less feed bunk to manage in a, in a retrofit situation, or we can feed the whole thing. The other piece of that is, we can maybe design our barns a little bit different for the future. We may not need to have 24 inches of feed bunk space in a future design barn. We may, may be able to squeeze that down to something less than that. Um, we're still kind of exploring where where we can go with that, but with building costs the way that they are today and you know the cost of concrete, all those types of things, 
it can start to have huge impacts on uh, a capital investment of a of a barn. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, I mean, this is a lot of really good good information. So um, another question, you know, we talked about this a little bit, but where where do you see this whole like? Do you see this whole automated feeding going? Do you see like maybe bigger bigger MFRs? Do you see like these large dairies actually going to this? Um, uh, obviously, there's stuff you can't we can't. T but like, are you guys talking to large dairies about these kind of things too? Yeah, we we have tons of interest in large dairies, and you know, much like much like the crop farming side that has been slowly adopting what, what I like to call swarm technology, what's kind of been tagged as swarm technology in the industry. I, I believe that the future of the dairy world will also be swarm technology. Just as, as environmental regulation gets cracked down, um, as we realize the efficiencies of running smaller pieces of equipment more, more often throughout the day, the benefits that I create to both the cow side and just total cost of operating are tremendous. So as we as we make that paradigm shift that bigger isn't always better to I can have more of these small pieces of equipment to tackle the same job, um, I think we'll see more adoption of the vector system on larger dairies. The um, the farms that are utilizing the vector today, what do they do, or do are they you know do they have a, a feed wagon on hand if something happens or you know I, I or you know obviously think everything breaks down. There's nothing that doesn't break down, right? Yep. Um, so what are they doing in in the case that it you know obviously if it's a if it's an FM MFR that goes down, you have another one usually if you have two, right? That maybe you can squeeze by for a few hours but if you're a one mfr or both goes down or or the grabber system goes down what are these are they just waiting or or what are we doing here yeah so uh, fortunately you know most of the time our system is pretty rock solid there are times when it does break down but we have a network of Whaley centers that have been well accustomed to needing robots up and running 24 7 365 days a week so they, they know that when a feeding system or when a milking system goes down, they need to be there relatively quick and have the parts on hand to be able to fix that system and get, get that farm back up and running. I would say probably 90, 95% of the vector systems out there do not have a backup source of, of way of feeding their cows. They rely solely on the vector system and uh, have virtually no problems uh, when it comes to uptime. And I'll just add on to that, you know, Blaley's long-term goal is 100% uptime, right? We, we're designing our systems to have 100% uptime going forward. And that, that entails machines that operate and, and function well, but it also needs to have all the support mechanisms in place on the, on the back end to make sure we can achieve that goal. Right. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I think the farm that one of the farms that I visited in, in Canada at the beginning of the year that they, we asked about that, about a backup. And I think he said he had the wagon after switching for 
a short for for a while. He just sat there, never used it. So he said, "The heck with it. We're gonna sell it." And had never had had it for a while, several years without utilizing it. So didn't no need for that. So that's a great you know great to know that that and I know and that is true. I know as a as a lay lease center when we get a report of a milking robot that's down um that's one of our you know it's a priority of ours to get there because that it's you really it's a hard hard to catch up in in those takes it's a lot easier to catch up in a conventional situation right or um so we have to be on top on top of that um what would you consider the biggest challenge with uh automation automation in general or yeah, or or we can we can stick to to automation to feeding. Yeah, so um, biggest hurdle if I'm looking at strictly the Laley vector system, we still haven't automated the process of getting the feed from the feed bunk to uh, feed center to point of delivery. Right, there's still a gap in there that you mentioned earlier on that somebody needs to get that feed out of the bunk and get it delivered to the center in order for it to be distributed via the mixing feeding robot. So once we can tackle that piece of it autonomously and with good precision and, and accuracy, uh, I think we have a feeding system that really, I mean, it's, it's that's what everybody's looking for, right? Is how can I reduce labor and have something that functions 24 hours a day and uh, yeah, well, that's, you know, I had never thought about that, that uh, as a challenge, one of the challenges, right? We're just so used to the guys delivering, st getting stuff. So I hadn't thought about that, but that would be really interesting to see what we, what could we come up to do, to do that, to go get the silage out of the bug, go get the hay from wherever the hay is and such. But interesting. I'm sure it'll come at some point, hopefully in our lifetime, but uh, I'm sure, I'm sure it will the way things advance. So I'm sure we've touched on it throughout the conversation today already, but what is the best thing about automation and feeding in your opinion from either from a cow side or a producer side or, or both, even both? Yeah. So I think the best thing about it, and we don't talk about it enough is the return on investment. We don't, we don't put together a vector system um, with a building that doesn't return return that investment on in less than five years. Most really? every, every single vector system that we um, put together has a return on less than five years. And when we talk to those farms that have had them in for, you know, three and five years, they're telling us, yeah, that, that's absolutely true. Um, from all the things that you and I have already talked about in terms of refusals, min minimal refusals, that room and health, you know, most of the time we're seeing some kind of a production increase um, and then just the overall run cost between those things we see tremendous returns better returns than a milking robot interesting so five years you get you, you, you paid off in five years basically and, and, and then how long are we seeing these systems last for then hopefully not five years in a, in a month yeah so lately builds everything for know 20 years 20 okay. years plus yeah we developed so the first milking robot in 1992 and some of those some of those were still operational to my knowledge up until recently so you know all, all stainless products they're they're designed for 
long-term yeah. use. Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, that's, I hadn't, I knew there was a short window on that return, but I didn't know it was five years. That's a tremendous turnaround and, um, and a benefit to, you know, obviously do, to do that, you're getting multiple sectors in that dairy that are returning you something, like you said, from health and, and refusals, but you have to get milk to get that. You got to get some milk production to be able to get there in five years, right? You're not going to do that just off refusals and, um, and energy and manpower, right? You, you, you right. just, you're just not. So yeah. that's um, the other piece we didn't really touch on that I kind of failed to mention was featuring. You know, when we go from mixing seed in an outdoor environment to mixing seed in an indoor facility, what yeah. kind of an impact that has on featuring too? Oh, huge, especially like meal products and stuff with especially you know we don't get a lot of wind and rain typically but the, obviously we have in the last uh the last few months it's been very very wet and and uh and some wind this last couple of days you know you're out there trying to put your uh, $900 mineral or whatever it is in your feet in your mixer and the wind is blowing there goes a couple hundred dollars or right. if it's being delivered into a into an MFR which most of the grains and, and stuff are from a tank with a tube it, your your shrink is going to be very minimal from that standpoint. Yep. And that, sure. that's a, yeah. So you can really reduce that shrink, and that's an that's a um, kind of a cost that has been never doesn't get talked as, enough as as much as it should be. Well, it's right? one of those phantom losses, right? Yeah. It's right. Very much a phantom loss that nobody sees, and it's not very easy to measure. Yeah, that's for sure. It it is not easy to measure at all. It's probably the one of the most difficult things to measure on a farm. Um, but we all know it's there. Um, we all like to think that, you know, that our shrink is only two, three, four percent. But there's some really good research out there that uh, talks about some of these um, commodities on farm having 10, 15 percent and people not even, you know, I think it was I can't remember. So I'm not going to really quote it, but it was cottonseed at one point when I was looking at some research work that I was doing uh, in, early in my career, and I want to say it was like 15 to 20% shrink on cottonseed, and I, I, it boggled my mind because nobody talk, thinks about that, right? right. Losing 20% of your of your load that you brought in, of 25% of, of, of a quarter of a you know, load, that's it's insane. So it's a lot of money that's been lost. So if you can re reduce that just in half, it's it's huge. So, but Ben, thank you very much for your time today. Um, we appreciate it. If there's any last things you want to say, I, I, happy to hear that. Um, I think there's some really good information here on the vector system. If anybody's interested in more information on it, look look me up, uh, Ruben Almada, or or try to get a hold of Ben too. Uh, he, we're happy to help and answer any questions with that. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And for TDR Dairy Automation Talks, I am Ruben Awana. Have a nice day.